it was like, I either want to do that or I want to be a famous actress in Hollywood. And honestly, when I wrote it down, famous actress seemed more plausible because there were way more actresses than there were people who worked full time for the spelling bee. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. That's a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Listeners. I think I maybe have two more episodes with you all, so you're going to get some goodies at the end here. I have Corey Loeffler, who is not only my friend, but she's also the executive director of the Scripps National Spelling Bee, which frankly, I think is maybe one of the coolest jobs in the world to have. Welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This is exciting. I'm so glad you're here. All right. Um <laughs> Tell our listeners about where you grew up and let's hear about your family. Sure. So I grew up in Central California in farm country, really, in the San Joaquin Valley. Small town. When I was born, it was like maybe 12,000 people. Uh, And then it grew as the tech industry grew in Central California. And so by the time I graduated high school, it had like doubled in size, but really a small town. Like my high school was across the street from a from a cow pasture kind of place. Really? Um, and then, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, just an hour and a half, two hours away from San Francisco. So you were able to get to the coast and get to the city and all that kind of stuff. So had that mix of like a small town feel with opportunities to go see museums and all that kind of stuff that would open up my eyes to the world when I was growing up. But um, family-wise, I am the youngest of four. Um, and then grew up with my parents, with my my mom uh, homeschooling me, actually, until I, I went to high school, a little bit of public uh, middle school, too. Uh, so did, really got to spend a ton of time with my family. Corey, did she homeschool everyone? No. Um, so my brother that's closest to me in age. He did eighth grade homeschool. And then I did kindergarten through sixth grade full time and then middle school part time and then went to public high school. But my oldest two siblings went to Catholic school and my parents had left the Catholic church. And so that was kind of where the homeschool decision came down. Like, obviously, small town, we didn't have the greatest schools at the time. Or my mom really wanted to make sure that we got the education she wanted us to get. So um, that was the decision point there. And it was so good for me really? to be able to to learn with her and to spend time with my family that way. And um, yeah, it really awakened my curiosity, I think. And was she a teacher? Like, how did she know what to do? She wasn't actually, she did join like a group, a homeschool group, but she, she uh, was a nurse until she started having kids. So then my, my dad was a, uh, he had a machine shop called Leffler machine, which I have a patch from. And I like to like, think of myself that way sometimes like Leffler machine. Right. But he had a machine shop. He did um, a bunch of agricultural machinery and okay. uh, even had some inventions. Uh, really? But then when I was young, like a toddler, he um, he had had been diagnosed with diabetes when he was young. And when I was a toddler, his kidneys failed. He had to start going on dialysis and was disabled for the rest of his life, um, you know, worsening and worsening. And my mom uh, was his full-time caretaker. So really it was all of us at okay, home. Wait together. So your mom has four children. <clears throat> you're, yeah. you are a toddler. 
or the beginning yeah. of the time. And she's like, is she working too and homeschooling or were you guys on no. disability or something? So you could do like, how do you yeah. make money? Well, I, I, there was a lot of cobbling things together, honestly, and a lot of support from my grandparents too. Got it. Um, to, to get through, but yeah, disability helped out a lot. Um, and then my mom didn't really go back to work. She did things here and there, but she didn't really go back, uh, back to work until after my dad passed away when I was in high school. So, so, he, was, so he was sort of sick the majority of your life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we were in and out of hospitals, in and out of dialysis clinics. He had a kidney transplant, um, that lasted for about eight years before he passed away. But, um, yeah, you, you kind of just get used to that, to living that way. Right. And, yes. um, it feels normal to you. And I really benefited from being able to be around both of my parents all the time. My grandparents lived six blocks away and I got to see them all the time. And so just a super loving environment. Was that your mom's parents or your dad's parents? My dad's, my dad's. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, I, and so maybe start telling the story of, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did I get to the spelling bee really is, is the question of it because, um, I had a kind of a crazy career path to get to the executive director position. Um, it started when I was seven years old in 1990 and my brother won his eighth grade spelling bee. And then went on to win our regional competition. And we went out as a family to Washington, D.C. to to watch him compete. And I was there as a seven-year-old making friends with all of the other little siblings and spellers and looking around. I mean, it was my first time on an airplane, first time in Washington, D.C., first time staying at a fancy hotel. Uh And there were all these parties and tours and events. You got to see all these famous sites. And Beyond that, there was this incredible spotlight on kids, right? And I thought it was better than Disneyland. I was like, this is the best thing I could ever imagine. And at that point, I have to get back here on my own because my brother was aging out in eighth grade. So I thought, hey, all I have to do is learn how to spell some hard words and I can get back here myself and I can be in the newspaper and I can meet all these friends and go to all these parties. And so it really was kind of a social motivation for me to get into it. Um, and, and did your brother win? Did your brother win no. or no? No. Okay. No, I think he got 13th place. He would, he would correct me if I was wrong. I think, I think he got 13th place was his highest, but, um, but he did great. And it, I learned from that too, that it wasn't really about winning. Right. And then I went back for the first time in sixth grade and did fine. But hold on, what do you mean it wasn't about winning? Because when I think about the spelling bee and like, you know, movies or shows that you've seen and those, mm-hmm. and it's the kids are like wringing their ha- fingers and hands because they're so nervous because they want to win. Why wasn't it about winning for you? Well, I really liked the experience of being there for one thing. Uh, it was this other world where all the kids were interested in academics and were high achievers wanting to succeed and wanting to set goals. And so you had something in common with a kid from Alaska and a kid from New York City, even though I was from this tiny city in California, and you could start making those bonds 
so quickly and easily. And, you know, especially being from a small town where I didn't necessarily meet a lot of kids that had the same interests that I did uh, and were super interested in, you know, being smart, like kind of being a word nerd, all of those things. So that part of it was, was part of it. And then there's another aspect to it where really when you're on the stage as a competitor, you're thinking about your next word. Okay. And whether you're going to, in that moment with this random word from the dictionary, you have no idea what it's going to be. And are you going to conquer that word? And it's not about beating the other kids on the stage or even being the last person standing, especially once you get to that national level. It's about how am I going to perform in this moment? Mm -hmm. But, you know, at that, once you get to the national level as a kid, you've already won. And I think that's something that, that really sunk in with me, even as a, as a seven-year-old before I ever competed. But that changed a little bit because I started loving the studying aspect of it okay. and the learning aspect of it. And so then I worked super, super hard. And in seventh grade, I went back and I got sixth place in the competition. So then you're like, so close. And you're like, all right, I can taste it. Wait, what do you... what? What do you have to be in order to, to like go to the national to, to be number one? So to go to the national, you have to win a regional competition, which is kind of different in different regions. Like in okay. the region where I grew up, it wasn't super competitive, right? Okay. I came from a small county um, and it I, I felt pretty confident that I could go back again. But then once you get to the national level, it's a whole different level of competition and you're you're up against the best of the best. Right. Right. So I, you really have to put in the work if you want to do well. And there's a couple hundred kids competing. And um, in my eighth grade year, I thought I can go all the way. Like I can absolutely do this. And so I studied nights and weekends and anytime I could. And I enlisted my teachers at school and my mom and my grandparents and my friends, like just quiz me on words all the time, all of this. Right. Um, and spent tons of hours just head down in the dictionary because at that point you were using like an actual dictionary, not computer programs and all kinds of stuff, like a big 13 pound dictionary. And, um, yeah, I worked really hard and I, I was kind of being set up in the media as crazy as this sounds, uh, for a 13 year old. Right. But I was being set up in the media as the one to beat. And, you know, we're broadcast on television and there's um, like there was a crew from CNBC that came to my house and my school and followed me around to my cheerleading practice and all of these things to um, build a package about me because I'm supposed to supposed to win. Right. Yeah. And then I go back in eighth grade to the national competition and I totally flame out. I get out in the second round on the word dispel, which is like a word anybody oh, can yeah. probably spell or use or anything. And I spelled it like spelling. Like I just spelled it with two L's oh. and, you know, I'm like, got it. Perfect. Wonderful. And I hear the bell ring and I'm just like shocked and devastated for, you know, 24 hours or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I start to remember, Oh yeah. Like I, I have all my friends are here and we have a big dance party tonight and okay, we're good. We have a big but it did dance. take some time. 
Oh yeah. That, that, uh, middle school dance party is unrivaled. I gotta <laughs> say it's, it's still my favorite thing about B week is, which is what we call the week of the national competition. Um, is that dance party? Cause it is just full of joy in that moment that you remember it's not about winning. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, d- I didn't win, but I stayed involved because I loved the program. I loved what it did for, for me. And I wanted other kids to have the same experience. So I volunteered in my regional program. Um, in college, I came back and volunteered with the national competition for the week of, of B week. And then um, even a couple of years after college, I came back again to just volunteer and work for that week. And uh, my former boss offered me, said, hey, we're, we're creating a new position. Do you want to come and work in Cincinnati full-time for the National Spelling Where Bee? were you living before that? So I, I went to school in Southern California. And then after college, I went to AmeriCorps and was living okay. in South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina. And I'd never, I'd been to Cincinnati once for like half a day. And that was it. I knew literally two people who would be my coworkers here in Cincinnati. And I, I picked up and I said, yeah, I'm going to move there for a couple years. And then I'm going back to my plans because, you know, I had my life planned out and everything, Of course, but like there was do. this part of me that, yeah. And there's this part of me where I, I was remembering being in elementary school and writing down in my little yearbook saying that I wanted to work for the Scripps National Spelling Bee when I grew up. And like, how do you let go of a dream like that? It was like, I either want to do that or I want to be a famous actress in Hollywood. And honestly, when I wrote it down, famous actress seemed more plausible because there were (laughs) way more actresses than there were people who worked full time for the Spelling Bee. There was two or three people. So um, it was like this felt like a pipe dream that suddenly came into reality. And I, I had to go after it. But when I first moved here, I would joke with people that, um, you know, I would go to work every day for the architects of my first major failure in life oh and just be faced with that every single day. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a testament to uh, what the real gift of the, of the spelling bee is for kids like that you can totally not achieve what you wanted to achieve in the realm of the competition, but it can make you think differently about what's possible for you, what your potential is, make you see yourself on a bigger stage than, than you ever imagined, even literally on a bigger stage than you ever imagined, but, but metaphorically too. Um, And that's, that's what I really want to keep giving kids, uh, as the executive director is that opportunity to dream bigger and see their potential in new ways. Do you know what else I love? I love how hard your mom helped you with and worked on it with you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She, she and I has, bet she loved it. Oh, she did. She still loves learning. She still loves uh, sending me words that she finds in her reading or just coming across them in, in her life. Uh, make sure that we're staying connected to that. <laughs> that word nerd part of the, of the program. So it was uh, a big thing for her. So the last couple of years for the B had been really big from a PR standpoint and yeah. 
some real unexpected uh, stars, you know, came about from that. Did you guys expect that? And I forget the, the young girl's name. Zayla. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, did you expect that? And then how does it change their lives? Yeah. So I think it, it kind of started with uh, 2019 when we had eight champions in the, what? in the competition. Yeah, this was this was a wild thing for for the National Spelling Bee. Um, our finals start, you know, eight o'clock at night uh, during the weekend. Um, we have you know twelve, fifteen kids left in the competition at that point. After after the two hundred that we start with, two hundred plus. Um, in twenty nineteen, we get to midnight, and there are still eight kids left in the competition. Oh and, um, we, we decided, uh, you know, a little bit before that, that what was going to happen was we were going to declare an eight way tie in the competition, something that was never anticipated, something that we never would have predicted at all. And so it was one of those, you know, it was unprecedented before we said the word unprecedented all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 2020 hit, yeah. um, and we we were really a bit reeling from that while also celebrating the fact that there were these eight kids that were so good that they beat the dictionary. Unbelievable. Um, that they beat the dictionary. And explain for the listeners that you you have a panel a panel of people who create who find the words and what's that called again? We call it our word panel. Thank you. Oh my god, I knew it. <laughs> Sure. So yeah, appropriate, sure. Yeah, right? right? Well, it explains <laughs> it. Very one. nice. Yeah. So yeah, we have we have a group of folks from all over the country and all different backgrounds who work for like throughout the year to come up with the the words that we use at the national competition. All kinds of different uh, expertise that are poured into that list, and then uh, we have what we think is the best possible list for a competition. And that year, you know, it's not, it's not like we're just going to the dictionary and poking at a word and saying, all right, right. throw that one out of and see what it is. They're all researched and they've been vetted in all different ways. And, you know, we come up with the best possible information about that word to help the kid in that moment be a word detective and figure out what the spelling is. And so, um, yeah, we, we thought we were in good shape. Uh, We got into that week and started seeing test scores coming in on the list that we had put together. And we're like, wow, this is a really, really advanced field of competitors. And um, by the time we got into that, that Thursday evening, it was clear that what we had prepared, which would have been a tough list in any other year, was no match for, for what these kids had um, managed to learn in their studies. So what did you do the next year? Well, the next year was 2020. So we did nothing. Okay. We actually okay, canceled the right. competition, which that's was right. also wild. But we learned so much from 2019, uh, you know, while also being able to celebrate those kids. I think that was really important mm-hmm. that they, you know, they took it as a huge win for all of them. And that's another thing about not, we're not just trying to find the best speller in the country. We're trying to provide this platform for kids to succeed. 
Um, but it usually ends in a champion, right? right? And right. that's, that's, we did want to get back to that at some point because it was a great outcome for 2019, but we knew we needed to evaluate what we were doing, look at our strategy for the competition and see how we get back to a winner. And so fast forward to mm-hmm. 2021. So 2020, and, you, you can't because of COVID and then 2020. Right. Okay. So 2021 um, was interesting because we had our our longtime director had resigned in the fall of 2020 and we were in the middle of a pandemic and trying to figure out how we were going to pull this off and not knowing what the the event landscape would be in May when our, our competition usually takes place. So we came up with a plan to carry off a, you know, partially virtual competition with a finals with just a few kids that we brought down to Orlando to the ESPN wide world of sports where they had the bubble situation going for for the NBA. And so they had learned a lot too. So we we were able to um, benefit from, from what they could kind of guide you and give you. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, we had a great competition. We had put into place, a tiebreaker mechanism in case we got into Mm -hmm. the same type of situation where, um, but I'll, you know, we, we did end up using that in 2022. So we'll start with uh, Zayla in 2021, who was just a ray of energy for the competition, the best way we could possibly come back uh, after the year of being canceled for COVID. She, her name is Zayla Avant-Garde. She studied so evidently, you know, when, when she would be asking questions about the words, you could see the way her mind was working as she thought through everything she had learned about the way language works, the way words are put together. And she very clearly had this joy in the things that she had Mm -hmm. learned. And in her interviews after she won, well, first of all, when she won, she did a little twirl as the confetti rained down on her. And it was, one of the most memorable moments of my career, which I've been with the company for, for 16 and a half years now, uh, not that I'm counting. <laughs> and, um, I've been in, you know, packed rooms with the championship being declared. I was there when the eight champions were declared and it was really the most energy that I had ever felt in the room. But that moment of coming back, of seeing this beautiful competition take place and seeing this kid who had so much joy in the accomplishment that she just um had do you ever are there um, times where you're like and you got to be honest okay you have to answer this promise will you answer it yes <laughs> are there I times promise. are there times where you're like god i really want that kid to win like that kid's got something special <laughs> like you're rooting for a certain kid see you, you told me you'd be honest thing. you told me you'd be honest <laughs> and i will and here's what I'm going to be honest about is that I am not thinking about who is the kid who's going to win because I really don't think that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, we're trying, what I do think about is, are we giving every single kid the fairest shot at winning, making sure that the playing field is as level as it could possibly be, making sure that our competition materials and our officials have the utmost integrity. Yeah, all of that. That's what you're thinking. But um, because you're probably yeah. going back also to your experience, 
And you want them to have as good of an experience as you did. Now, you know, I'm a competitor. And so I would be thinking about (laughs) wanting a certain kid to win, but, uh, okay. (laughs) So she wins. But it's very exciting that she won, for sure. And that was, that was 2021. Yes. Okay. And she, this girl, you got to look her up because she has Guinness World Records in basketball dribbling that right. are incredible to watch. Wait, didn't that she happen like out, right after or right around the same time? Because she, she was, already had those at the it. time. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very just skilled basketball player also has all sorts of different interests. Oh, she's amazing. And um, she just is about to put out a couple of books too this year. Of course she is. With Random House. So yeah, very now, cool. It, now, I, are I her parents very, are her parents super involved, like, or is it just a natural thing she has? Her parents are very, the thing that I've noticed about her parents is they have encouraged from the very beginning reading as much as she can and anything and any of their kids as, as reading as much as they can, being very disciplined um, in if you say you want to go after something, then we're going to make a plan to go after it. Super encouraging. Uh, but she was reading like college level textbooks that would be around the house because she, because they were there. So when she was a kid, she's just picking up anything and reading them. So she's a, you know, we have a, all the kids in our program are, are incredibly special, but, but this was a, she was a, uh, once in a lifetime champion, I think, just for everything that she brings to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see a lot more of her in, in years to come. Like this is not a, just a childhood prodigy kind of thing. She's going to keep achieving for sure. Corey, uh, are there, has the B since everything that's happened with COVID and the stress that that has on children, even more so now for you all, is it important that you create an environment that's safe for them and nurturing and, or did you do that really before? Yeah, we don't care about any of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. That's no, that's a joke. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know it's a joke. Yeah. We have always been really focused on the experience of the kids who, who are at our national level, but also all the way down to the classroom level, the school level, the regional level, making sure that um, they're getting that super high quality experience all the way across the board. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to continue to be incredibly important to us. I don't know that that COVID really changes my, my thoughts okay. on the way that we approach any of that. I just, you know, I could be no, I don't think I'm wrong about this, but you know, all the research that's been coming out on how COVID has impacted mental health for kids. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the big lessons of spelling bee participation for me as a kid and something that I love to talk about is the way that it makes you resilient, right? The way that you bounce back from not hitting that goal and the way that you process that as you, as you go forward. Um, it took me a long time to learn that. And so that's why I like to make sure that we build that into things like our orientations for the spellers. Like we talk about what is that, the way that you process um, when you hear the bell, that means you misspelled something because really we start the week with 230 something kids. And at the end of the week, we have 230 something kids who have not hit their goal. 
right? Yeah. They, they've not, they've failed in yeah. some way or another. Yeah. If that's the way that they process it. But if we can le- like leave that week, making sure that they all feel like champions, that's when we know. And we really do feel like we do a good job of that. That's when we know that that experience can teach them how to cope with disappointments like that in, in the future. Many of my guests who are incredibly resilient have struggled with mental health. I know I have. And asking them about it can be awkward at times. But it's more important than ever to start this conversation, to check in on them. My dad used to always say, if you break your arm, you go to the doctor. And if you have mental health needs, you do the same. If you're not familiar, check out Lindner Center of Hope. They offer inpatient and residential services for those who need a comprehensive evaluation. Lindner Center of Hope, 513-536-HOPE. What's one of your favorite um, spelling bee stories? Maybe of the, of, it doesn't have to be a champion. It could be any, any of those kids that really just touched you. Hmm. That's a good question. It's, it's so funny because there are great moments that happen um, on stage, but there are a lot of great moments that happen out of the lights of the competition too, right? So like I was talking about those dance parties, those are very memorable to me seeing them all at the end of the night, at the, at the end of the week, midnight, and it's the last thing they're going to do as this group um, together. And we always play We Are the Champions as the last song and the kids all get in a big circle and, uh, you know, they're holding hands and they've got their arms around each other and they're swaying back and forth. And it's this like, moment of celebration for all of these kids. Uh, and that that's one of my favorite traditions, but it's also also just like good, you know, it's just everything else aside being present and them celebrating something, something that nobody else can share, but that group of people. Right. Yeah. It's a special, it's a special thing. And I think it's, it's hard to explain the magic of it if you're not there, because if you're just watching it on TV, mm-hmm. you see these kids who look like they're under a ton of pressure who, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're, they're super confident and they're quipping back and forth with the pronouncer or whatever they're doing, but sometimes they're also just uh, nervous. You know, it's a, it's a high pressure situation, but then when you get them off stage, you realize these are all just kids, even if they can spell these crazy words that you've never heard of or never imagined, they're just kids who like regular kids stuff. And they're forming these memories that are going to stick with them their whole lives. It's so special to be a part of that and to shine a spotlight on that and see what it can do in communities and in schools um, and celebrating something positive like that. We don't get to do that all the time. And so, you know, this competition has been around for almost a hundred years and I'm really passionate about making sure that it keeps going because of all those incredible things that it does. What was the history of it? Why was it, do you know why it was started and stuff like that? 
Yeah, so it, the program was actually started in 1925 as a promotion for newspapers. So there were nine newspapers that came together and said, we're going to run these spelling bees in our area, and then we're going to have this competition among our champions in Washington, D.C. They got to go meet the president at the White House. They made a big deal of it. You know, spelling bees themselves go back into the 1800s as just a fun, easy way to have a community event. Okay. So it would be adults, it would be kids, it would be everybody in between that would participate in these things. And it was like, you know, a bingo night or something like sure, that, right? Sure. Like a, just a fun, wholesome activity. Um, but then once this national competition started, it just kept growing and growing uh, over the last, yeah, almost 100 years. And so then, we don't think it's going anywhere. No, it's not. So I, <laughs> I do know that that there was a time during World War II is that accurate that it did not happen? Is that right? Wow, you've done your research, Sarah. Yes, there were two years during World War II that it didn't take place. And then and then the third time that it didn't take place was was during COVID. COVID. So just those three years. Yep. And did Scripps then at what year do you know when Scripps said we are going to be the head sponsor for this? Was it a long time ago? Yeah, it was in the 40s. I believe it was 1943. I'd have to fact check myself on that. Okay, but, but the 40s. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you think is going to be next? It might have been 1941. Okay. What 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 is going to be next iteration for the B? So really right now, we're we're looking at the question of access. And part of that stems from, of course, the pandemic hit schools hard. We lost some participation both in schools and in the, the regional partners that run our regional programs. And so we're rebuilding. We're doing a really good job of rebuilding, but we have a little ways to go. And I, I really think we'll be back in uh, you know fighting shape by, by next season of where we were before COVID. But from there, it's looking to the places where we don't have as much representation or we don't have um, any uh, penetration into the schools and working to expand our mission because super mission focused. Uh, we just did a bunch of work to uh, redefine what our mission is. And again, it's not about finding the best speller in the country. It's about providing this pathway to curiosity for kids and about giving them the words that they need to shine their lights on the world. So that's something we want to give to to every kid in the country, not just the millions who currently participate. Corey, when you said access, I immediately thought of like schools that are poor, lower socioeconomic. How do you manage that? So right now we actually have really good participation from Title I schools. Um, about 40% of our school base are, are Title I schools at this point. Uh, but we want to expand that for sure. And we're looking at different ways of doing that, including options of, of funding those programs. We do have a really low uh, cost of entry into the competition, but we know that even any cost can be a barrier. Mm-hmm. Another way we're trying to address that is by examining the materials that we give to schools and making sure that there's a variable level so that the access point oh. is, you know, is matching the level of any kid. Um, so yeah, wanting to to really dig into that over the next couple of years 
and make sure that every kid who has an interest in participating has a pathway to do that and the right point of entry to do that. I, I didn't even think about the materials, but of course, that makes sense. They might not have access to certain those words. They might not hear those words or know those words or, you know. And really our competition starts with with grade level words, you know, words that you really would use every day. Uh, just really good news words to to know in order to do well in, in life and in school and everything. Um, so it's not always about those crazy words that you see at the finals. In fact, that's not where we focus the majority of our time, the majority of our resources as we develop the materials. It's on that that um, first level of competition, which is where we think we make the biggest impact. So, so I, I, when, so listeners, when I heard this story from Corey, I was like, <laughs> you for sure have to be on the podcast. And I, I just love that even though you didn't win, a dream still came true with this job. So this whole time I'm thinking, I wonder if she'll have her baby. Everybody, Corey has a baby. Do you think you'll want her to be in the spelling competition? Well, she, as long as I still have a job, she won't be allowed to. Oh. Um, but really, you know, the spelling bee is an incredible platform for kids who have an interest in that. I hope that she loves to read. She already does. She's a year and a half, but she like books are her favorite thing in the world. Um, I just want her to find that thing that is her spelling bee, right? Which is why I'm so glad that so many different programs exist. It's whatever your entry point is to broaden the scope of your dreams, whatever entry point you have to open up uh, a world of learning and curiosity that just never ends. That's what I hope for my daughter. And that's what I hope that we inspire in all the kids who do participate in the spelling bee, which again, will not be my daughter. (laughs) But she, she, she better be a good speller. That's right. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, and I, I'm guessing she probably will. Uh, that was like the perfect ending and so inspiring. And you know that I love the spelling bee so much. <laughs> well, I hope it's not too like inside baseball, all of this spelling stuff or inside spelling, I guess. Well, why? <laughs> I mean, why not? Because it's cool. And, and especially after, especially after two years ago with Zaila. I mean, oh that God. got, that got people really hooked and, and interested. Yeah. yeah. Plus, yeah, uh, awesome. I think it's also a really cool thing to, uh, shine the light on again. I think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes me think, and you'll probably cringe when you hear me say this. <laughs> it, it, it sort of makes me think of American Idol a little bit. Um, love it. You know, like I know that sometimes those American Idol people are goofballs and everything like that, but you know, it's a way for people to learn something and it's a creative outlet. It is. And you know what I think is the best uh, analogy there is, you know, when you're watching American Idol and the people come from every different background and they have this one thing in common, that's the same thing with this competition, right? They're from a rural town in Iowa or they're from the Bay Area, they're from everywhere in between. Um, there are, you know, affluent kids, there are kids of lesser means, there are kids who are good at sports. And I love that there's 
uh, the, just this low barrier of entry to the competition because it's just about can you access a dictionary somewhere <laughs> or can you start with a list of words um, and and that's that connection point. But but yeah, there's the one thing that brings them all together, and then there are those kids who are so phenomenal about it at it that you're never going to forget it. Just like you know, I never forgot the first time I saw Kelly Clarkson sing. Right. I'm never going to forget seeing Zayula win in 2020. Yes. One, 2021. Yes. yes. It, it, it unites us. And it's so magical, like you said earlier. It is. So we did have Inside the Spelling Bee, but we want to have people inside the Spelling Bee. You know, we've had, <laughs> I've had people from the Cincinnati Zoo and I'd be like, okay, tell me the truth. Dave Janicki, you have to tell me. He's the COO there. I'm like, you have to tell me your favorite animal. And then you have to tell me your least favorite animal. And he's like, you're killing me. I'm never going to do that. Do you know how many zookeepers would be mad at me? So when I asked you the question about, are there any participants or, you know, whatever you call them, kids that you want to win? I knew you really, it was going to be a hard one to answer. Well, you didn't ask me if I had least favorites. (laughs) First of all, I knew you wouldn't even touch that. Okay. I didn't even need to ask that. Uh, well, thank you for coming on today. <laughs> Listeners, you just need to be on the lookout for Corey. Also, uh, she has, what is your soup month again? We're in the middle of it. It's called Super Wary. Oh my God, it's Super Wary. And every day she makes a different soup. So if you want some soup recipes, you can also reach out to Corey. Corey, for real though, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>